Hey, Chosen Girl fam. I'm Liz. I'm Sarah. And welcome to the Chosen Girl Tell Me About It podcast. We are two best friends passionate about having real conversations about where real life meets the gospel. Meet us here every Tuesday as we go to God's Word about different topics we all face. No matter if you're in the car or doing laundry around the house, we hope that you feel like you're sitting right across the table from us enjoying your Chick-fil-A sweet tea. Yes, girl. We would so love if y'all would take the time to rate and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget about our free resources on our Instagram and at thechosengirl.com. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Chosen Girl Tell Me About It podcast. I am so sad to announce that this is our last episode of season four and I cannot believe it and it's weird and surreal and happy and sad at the same time for any Casey Musgraves fans out there. You need like a boo button. It's like boo. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And y'all, when I tell y'all we've saved like our secret weapon for last, this girl, we actually went to preschool together, which is crazy to think that little four-year-old us were learning our addresses together. And we are so excited for you to meet this friend of ours and for us to have just a real talk on (laughs) life and babies and mental health and theater and crying and whatever you need, you, you could probably gain something from this talk, like whatever you need in life. Mm -hmm. So just sit down, buckle up, meet our friend, Bethany Harrison, Bethany Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Girl, um, I'm telling y'all, Bethany is one of those people that, I, and I was telling Liz this, and Bethany, I don't want to like make you blush because I know that sometimes hearing compliments about yourself is awkward. I don't know if you're like is. me. It is I know you're awkward. like me. Yes. But I told Liz yesterday, I was like, Bethany is one of the people, one of the few people in my life where I never have to question if she's being real. And it invites me to be real with her. And that can be really good and that can be really bad and that can be really ugly. Like we can bring it all. So thank you for being that person. Mm -hmm. Well, you're too sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Same to you. Same to you. I always love seeing you and uh, reconnecting every time that we get together and picking up right where we left off. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell, tell our followers about yourself. I told, I told her y'all whatever she wants to say, she can say it. So here we go. Oh goodness. (laughs) Um, Well, my name is Bethany Harrison. Like Sarah said, um, I'm a Wilson County native and I'm a mom of three. I'm married to my husband, John, um, and mom to three little boys, Jack and Wade, which are twins and they are, um, will be three in July. Jesus, I can't believe that. And then, yes, I know. And um, Banks, who was just born in January, and he um, is four months. He was a preemie, so we're finally up to 10 pounds. And I'm very proud that we're at that, (laughs) that we're at a double digit weight. Um, But we live on a farm in East Wilson County and um, currently are renovating a house and living with my in laws while doing so. So there's like 10 people. Um, in the house, if you hear something, it's probably a child. Um, but I'm just excited to be here. I feel like 
that question's like a job interview question. I don't really yes, know how you tell us about yourself. Answer. What are your best yeah, strengths? You know, yeah. like that's when you have to rehearse too, because it always messes you up. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. But anyways, I don't think I'm very interesting, but I have a lot of kids. She's lying, y'all. She's girl, lying. please. A lot of ki- I have a lot of kids and a lot of thoughts. So yeah. yes, everything. And girl, is your Instagram public or private? Uh, I think it's private, but I can just change it to public. No, girl. I was just going to say, I I, I just made from time to time screenshot some of your Instagram stories and read the Chosen Girl story because it's just practical wisdom for life. Um, Throwbacks to growing up in the 2000s. I mean, today we had some prom content on things that you can find at Walmart for the summer. And I'm being extremely You can find so many things. Except for what you need. Yes. Like, it's just, and it depends on the Walmart. Can we just go ahead and establish that? That's like, a it deep depends. dive. That's a deep there, dive. It's a deep dive. There are some Walmarts that are, and I won't name specific locations, but should there be listeners affiliated with any Walmart? Protect the integrity of that Walmart. Protecting yes. the integrity of Walmart as a company. But I'm just, it's like Target's ugly set sister, and it's right. just, you know, like, you just <laughs> feel kind of tacky sometimes when you're there. And today, I was just trying, well, first of all, I placed my online order because I have kids, and of course. I'm sorry, but I can't, I can't mentally do that <laughs> with all three. So I placed my online order and um, ended up just having banks today. And I went in because there were like three things they said were unavailable. And being the skeptical Enneagram 6 that I am, I Love thought it. I'm going to go check anyway. And so I went in and was able to find the things that of course. were unavailable on my list. But that's not the point. The point is, I, while I was there, I thought I'm going to find just a cheap pair of jean shorts just to be when I'm outside with the boys playing so I can get some sun. But not not, you know, be in like bikini bottoms or something out there with my children. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, it's just, I've just had a baby. Just give me some grace. Anyways, yes. um, I just wanted a cheap pair of jean shorts. And I, they learned there wasn't any like just normal kind of jean shorts. They were all like the really like old lady jean shorts or biker mm-hmm. shorts or all of these things and I'm like Walmart really you don't have one pair of tacky jean shorts but yeah. they do have four dollar bikinis string bikinis if you're into that sort of thing well there you uh, go there's your answer like I, yeah Walmart said this is the tan line you need <laughs> it, yes yes and here's the thing I if I wore if I wore that I am so, like, lanky and thin. Like, it would be terrifying for all. Like, for so many reasons, as for most people, it wouldn't be terrifying. Like, it would be terrifying to view me in that. I mean, modest has to be the hottest for me because that's just it. I just know you just don't want to see what else. You just don't want to see anything else. That's just just my lot in life. See, this is what I mean, (laughs) y'all. This it's is Bethany here. And they only had hot pink and black, by the way, because what other colors would you have 
I mean, if you were wearing a string bikini. Dropping wisdom right here. I'm just saying. Cheers. Hot pink. Like that, not even like fuchsia, like just neon pink. Because if you're not showing up enough in the string bikini, it needs to be hot pink so everybody sees you in it. Anyways, I just have a lot of frustrations with Walmart. We have a very love-hate relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. More hate than love. Um, but a necessary evil in my life. Absolutely. Kids. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you for all and of that. So all day, every day. So if you want more content like this, either <laughs> check back with Bethany, see if she is public or just ask us like, Hey, has Bethany posted on her story today? We will take screenshots. We will repost. Absolutely. Fine. Oh, lately it's been a lot about cicadas <laughs> because I feel like we're living in the, in the Egyptian plague. And I we probably really, deserve it. We probably deserve we it. We do. And, and I, you know, like, no, no hard feelings there. It's just, I don't do flying bugs. Like, Especially I don't do moths that are like three inches long that come up from the Well, here's the wall. thing. Like, first of all, I, a bug's life is terrifying. Second yeah. of all, um, it, I mean, and that's the thing. People, Liz, don't realize how, like, terrifying a bug's life is. Until you watch it as an adult with, like, all your little people, and you're like, no. Absolutely yeah. not. And then, um, it's, I mean, Thumper, the grasshopper, or whatever, no. He is not the same as Thumper, the bunny <laughs> rabbit on Bambi. <laughs> you're right. Terrible. Terrible. Right. Terrible. And anyways, these cicadas are coming. No one's freaking out. Mom calls me the other day, and then she's like, their little pods are on the trees, and I'm like, it's here. This is it. This is Armageddon. This is, it is on, folks, and no one's concerned. No one's concerned. And this and is why we're having, bother me. And this is why we're talking about mental health. That's why we need to this talk about, why we're talking about mental health. Because, yes. believe it or not, I've been said to have pretty good mental health in recent days, but I've I am concerned about the cicadas, and I feel as though, I mean, I'm not trying to be one of those, like, um, you know, like, you pass those billboards, like, um, where will you spend eternity kind of thing. Not, this is not one of those prophetic kind of messages. This is simply, there are big, crunchy bugs headed our way. Take cover. Well, I'm going to warn is. you, because this is, this is my area of expertise here. Um, the worst is yet to come. Oh, the 17 year cicadas are really going to hit Middle Tennessee. Um, these are just hitting pockets of Tennessee right now, the 13 year cicadas. So, a few years, y'all, and we'll see the worst of it. And then it'll be 17 years. God bless America. I just don't. <laughs> God, God bless Middle just, Tennessee. God bless we, we have listeners I, all over the United States who probably have no clue what we're talking about right now. And y'all, I promise we are going to talk about Jesus and mental health, but we need you we to are, know. We are. We need you but to this know. Has to do, this has to do with both. Right? Yes, that's because right. It does have to do with Jesus and only, mental health. Yes. And we need Jesus. And mm -hmm. really, I've, I've, it, it's been like, it's been terrible. The, yes. the anxiety that I've had over these big crunchy bugs has been terrible. Do you do so. you guys remember when they came the first time? Because we were like, two yes, I remember. Yes, I had PTSD <sighs> from that. One got in my hair and got caught, and like I just just 
cannot do it. I can't do it. No, I can't go back there. So I don't want to talk about that in therapy, but I should. Yes, you, yes. Next appointment. That's going to be when Next you appointment. I go tomorrow, so I'm going to bring that up. Yeah. Jot that down. Put that yeah. my writing assignment. But yeah, people who are in other parts of the country, and we do have a few listeners in other countries as well, just Google cicadas in Middle Tennessee you will see the horrendousness that is what a cicada is. And they're coming by the millions, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I've looked it up. They're coming by numerous millions. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like a plague that's among us. But um, anyway, hard right turn. Bethany. Okay. Sorry, that's the content on my stories. I no, was just you I told a, you a literally anything is free game. And Liz and I, crap, we've sang show tunes on this show before. Like sure. you are, you are with your people. You are with your people. So I'm among folk. I'm excited about it. Yes. So Bethany, I don't know where you want to start, girl, but can I ask you to tell the story of your twin boys? Yeah, sure. Um, and by December. Hey, hold on. We had a lag. So can you? Let's see. Yeah. Everything froze. I just want to make sure that it recorded. Okay, perfect. We're back on. Okay, can you? Okay. I didn't hear anything after I asked the question. So tell us about the twins, girly. Yeah. So John and I got married the month after I graduated college. So it was June of 2015. Um, and in January of 2016, we found out that we were pregnant. It was totally unexpected. I was on birth control at the time, and we found out we were pregnant. Um, I, we were both obviously very excited. This was our first baby, um, and a few months into the pregnancy, we found out that we had a miscarriage, and so that was probably um, one of the most defining moments in my life for me, um, especially in my adult life. And really just challenged me on every front, how I viewed my life, how I viewed the Lord. Um, Because I'd kind of asked the question, okay, I wasn't even trying to get pregnant. And then the baby dies. Like, Mm. um, so it was a very like defining moment for me. Um, And I think that is where kind of my, you know, us mentioning, talking about mental health. Um, I think that is when I finally realized that I had a struggle with mental health because I went through a period of season of depression after the miscarriage, Um, partially fueled from hormones, I think, but then partially fueled from just the loss that I had experienced. And I hadn't known anybody to experience that before. so that's kind of where, um, I guess my story with mental health and with my, and my kids kind of starts. Um, I realized during that time that I'd always kind of struggled, always kind of had a predisposition for anxiety, um, and that sort of thing. Um, so I began blogging, um, after that experience. That's why I started my blog, um, was out of that miscarriage. And just blogging my honest thoughts on it and um, got kind of an overwhelming response because nobody was really talking about it. Then, you know, I think now you hear about it a whole lot more, but um, even as close as like five or six years ago, you just weren't hearing a lot of, or I'd never heard 
anybody talk about it before. So um, I started blogging through that experience. Long story short, two years later, um, I found out that I was pregnant and um, went to the doctor for the ultrasound at eight weeks and found out I was expecting twins. Um, so not only was it a rainbow baby, it was twin rainbow babies. Um, we did no fertility treatments, nothing like that. And, I, and I'm just saying that to say that it was a completely unplanned kind of fluke thing. Um, but we had talked about it. I'd gone to the doctor and talked about possibly doing fertility treatments or kind of what my past and motherhood looked like um, after the miscarriage. And um, anyways, ended up getting pregnant with twin rainbow babies. Pregnancy was great. Had an awesome first pregnancy or second pregnancy. Um, awesome pregnancy with Jack and Wade. Um, obviously, I know people can't see me, but I'm very petite. So it was hard on me physically. Um, as far as like they got, we got them to 10 pounds together. So they were five pounds each when they were born. And they came at 34 weeks, which is where they like to get for twins. So it was just a really, and my birth experience was, awesome. I had a C-section. Um, it was super quick. I healed really well. Um, and it was great. Like the whole experience was just such a blessing, such a sweet time for me. Um, and then of course we went through the first two years trying to go, we went from zero babies to two babies. So that was a that was the trenches, let me tell you. But uh, we prevailed. And um, I found out on their second birthday, the day they turned two, I found out I was pregnant with our third little boy, Bank. Um, and cried a little bit about <laughs> cried a little bit about it. Because I thought, Lord, how am I going to take care of another baby? I have twin two-year-olds that are killing me. Um, but it turned out to be such a blessing as well. But into Banks' pregnancy, um, I started going to counseling regularly. Um, and this was just kind of like personal, I guess, for me, just... Um, I don't know. I don't even know what prompted me to start going to counseling regularly, but I did at the beginning of Banks' pregnancy, and that would actually kind of be a lifesaver as I progressed into the pregnancy. At 20 weeks, um, I went for our anatomy scan and found out that I had what they call a um, placenta accreta, um, and met, had to found out at that appointment that I would have to meet with a group of specialists um, in maternal fetal medicine um, because it was a pretty serious complication. So I went and met with um, maternal fetal, and we actually found out at that appointment that it was called a placenta percreta, which only affects like 0.04% of pregnancies. I would have to look up the actual stats, but it's very, very rare. Um, and basically what it meant was that the, um, the baby's placenta that supplies all the nutrients and blood and that sort of thing, um, had implanted in my cesarean scar, went through the cesarean scar into the muscular tissue, through the muscular tissue and made contact with my bladder. Um, it was highly vascular. So the, the biggest risk to me was hemorrhaging. 
um, during birth. And a lot of women in the past, it was just kind of a death sentence um, because there was no way to really tell beforehand and there was nothing you could do about it um, if you were in that situation. So um, thankfully we didn't know about it. And uh, they assembled a, a great team of doctors. Along with that, um, I had, I had um, placenta previa, so my placenta was sitting right over my cervix. Um, so I would have been considered high risk in that regard, but then with the procreto, it was extremely high risk. Um, in the very same appointment that I found all of this out about myself, I also found out that Banks had what they call a duodenal atresia, which means his stomach was separated, like his intestines were separated from his bowels or uh, you can look it up. I'm not really up on the medicinal terms. Um, but anyways, it was not, it was something that was going to have to be corrected with surgery as soon as he was born. Um, and um, he also had several other soft markers for Down syndrome. So I got all of this information at my 20 week. Um, and I guess it was about 22 weeks because this is when I was at maternal fetal that I got all of this kind of in one appointment. And I was by myself because John um, was not allowed in the office because of COVID. So um, COVID restrictions. So just a lot to take in um, at that appointment. And, and going through the pregnancy from that point on, um, I, was, I blogged the whole experience um, and just received an overwhelming amount of support from that point on um, and kind of learned in counseling and I'm glad I did that I am an outward processor so being able to process through writing with a community of people really kind of saved my sanity through everything. Um, I was admitted to the hospital at 28 weeks they were tr which they had to admit me precautionary wise and ended up actually starting contracting that day that I was admitted. Um, I could only have two visitors the whole time that I was in the hospital and they were hoping to get me to 34 weeks before I gave birth and I would only make it until 29 before um, banks came. They could not get my contractions to stop and um, I also had developed, because of the placenta issue, it also developed gestational diabetes so I had a lot of extra fluid and my body just couldn't stop contracting. So um, he came at 29 weeks and um, I ended up having surgery. So instead of having a normal, quote unquote, quote unquote normal birth, um, I was put to sleep and I was in the main OR. They already had everything set up for me the day that I was admitted because my case was so fragile. Um, so I was in the main OR of the hospital and I remember going in, never being afraid, which sounds really weird, wow. I know, but because I'm awesome. typically afraid of everything. Um, I was never afraid, and I was there by myself. John had already left for the day. My mom had already gone home, and so I'd called John and told him to come back, that we were having a baby. Um, it was fleeting. He was trying to come from to Nashville from um, East Wilson County, which is about 45 minutes away, no traffic, and um, I didn't see anybody but my, my nurses and doctors before I went into surgery. And I didn't ever have the thought, which I feel like is kind of important. 
I never had the thought that I wasn't going to make it through the surgery. Like that never crossed my mind. I joked about it. Um, I joked about it with the chaplain. I joked about it with my mom, like center that scene from Hocus Pocus when, when he's like, um, we are doomed like that. Yeah. I did that, you know, like I joked about it because um, that's just the only way I could, I guess I could cope with it. I was like, you know, and I had tried to process that idea. You know, they told me the effects on my bladder, I would likely, um, or not likely, but there was a strong possibility that if it went through my bladder, they could have to do bladder reconstructive surgery. I may have to oh, wear a bladder bag God. the rest of my life. Like they prepared me for all of these scenarios. And so um, the fact that I can distinctly remember being in that labor and delivery room and all of these teams coming in, anesthesia was in there. They were trying to get um, transfusion lines in any vein that they could. Um, and I just remember not being nervous, not being afraid, not being, I don't want to say not feeling anything, but just feeling like everything was happening like it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Wow. Which is, which is very weird. Um, especially for me, like, cause I'm a very paranoid <laughs> individual typically, but I was not like in this, in this setting, I was not, but, um, ended up, I went to surgery. They had to put me asleep um for the birth so I was and I knew that was going to happen I was not awake for the birth at all and I actually wouldn't meet Banks until a week later wow. um, they had to transfer him to a different hospital for his surgery because there's not a pediatric surgeon at our at the hospital I had to be at because of the nature of my delivery um they put me to sleep long story short I ended up losing 26 units of blood which is about eight liters. So imagine like four or two liters of blood, oh. which is my entire circulatory system twice. Plus they had to use, so they were prepared for me to lose blood. Um, so they had like a blood bank for me, but they ended up having to tap into trauma blood um, because I was losing so much so quickly. Um, and ended up, did partial, I had to have his full hysterectomy. That was the only cure for the procreta only 27 by the way was a full hysterectomy so that was a mental block as in itself um but they had to do part of the surgery and then stop pack my abdomen to get it to stop bleeding um and then I had the second so that was Friday night and then um I was on a ventilator in ICU from Friday to Sunday and Sunday would have the remainder um of the surgery completed and the packing taking out I do remember being in ICU on the vent. Um, oh, I remember yeah. conversations that I wrote out. They would give, so my hands were strapped down, but they would unstrap them so I could write on a piece of paper what I wanted or needed. Um, I don't remember being, I remember just being really agitated um, in ICU and really thirsty because my mouth had been open, you know, yeah. like, Wow. on those tubes and so and you can't have something about you can't have a lot they could just wet your mouth you can't really have anything because the fluid goes straight down into your lungs because where everything's open um but I was awake and I see you and honestly that's probably the worst part that I remember that and they didn't they could not put me so like typically when you have surgery um before you go under anesthesia they give you like something to make you have like this amnesia effect 
Mm -hmm. So you're kind of loopy, like when you go into the actual operating room and then you don't remember anything Mm -hmm. when you come out of the operating room. Um, And they could not give me that because uh, they had to do the delivery first and it couldn't be transferred to the baby. Mm -hmm. So I was wide, like I was aware of everything until the moment I went to sleep. So they weren't going to be able to, but thankfully they, they were able to put me out um, before they did the central line and the art line um, and the rest of the transfusion lines. I had several, like, I think I had one in my groin area. Um, like I had them all over um, when they were trying to pump blood back into me. Um, and so I, but I do remember um, up until the time I went to sleep, the only thing else that's the only time I remember getting anxious is when they put the bubble like on my face that had the oxygen, yeah. um, like the pump thing, um, because it suctions to your face. And so like, I remember feeling, I know it had oxygen coming out. Like my brain was able to recognize that there was air coming out of it, but I felt like I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up losing, like I said, a bunch of blood. They did the rest of my surgery on Sunday. Um, and that week would, I, I don't remember a lot from the week. I know that um, it was a struggle for me to hold food down for a while. It was a struggle um, for me to walk, for me to catch my breath. Um, because my incision runs from right below, like my breastplate, all the way to my pubic bone, like straight up and down. Um, and kind of makes an intersection with my previous cesarean scar, which is like right at my bikini line. So, um, just like learning to use my stomach muscles again, you know, like that first week, like, cause they make you walk and that can like take a shower and that sort of thing. Um, I don't remember a lot, probably because I was on so much pain medicine, but, um, I just remember it being so hard to breathe and so hard to walk and like so hard to move. Um, after that, Banks was in the NICU for 59 days and oh. um, had surgery on his duodenal, um, but has since done really well. We see a lot of specialists and we've all been released from everything. Um, Praise God. Yes. Um, so we're, we're doing really well. I think people would be surprised to know like two or three weeks afterwards I was in Target. <laughs> like um, I was up moving and walking and that sort of thing. I'm so um, glad you went to Target. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm, yes, I was like, I got to get out of here. Um, <laughs> cannot, cannot sit in this house any longer. But it, um, it's been a journey, this second baby. And um, obviously it was traumatic to an extent. I knew a lot of it was going to happen before it happened. I didn't know how bad a lot of it was going to get before it happened, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I have been surrounded with a lot of really sweet people. My relationship with the Lord has completely changed, um, since this experience. Um, every idea I've ever had of who God is has been uprooted in the best possible way. Um, I would love to know more. Yeah. So I grew up 
um, Southern Baptist and I did not have a bad like church experience, like some weird bad church experience growing up, like just grew up in a Baptist church. Um, and did everything like with church, was involved in Sunday school every week, involved in church every week. But I would have to say like, as I grew older, my viewpoint of church and who God was was very authoritative, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, it was very rules based. So of course in high school, I would say late high school, early college, I went through kind of this rebellious period I wasn't really rebellious like I was I had good stories but I don't for um, the I was a very Baptist youth group attendee oh for yes. this like, Baptist, I feel you <laughs> I was rough um but I um for the world standards I was very lame but um I got nothing cool to say but uh just this really i've just had this really like i guess complicated relationship with the lord i accepted salvation when i was in the fourth grade can distinctly remember it but i think it's always been based on that's what i was supposed to do you know like um and i've always had this viewpoint this kind of fear especially since my miscarriage i really wrestled with him um when i had a miscarriage because up until then, life had pretty much gone like it was supposed to. Like, I got the guy. I got married. I had a house. I, like, I did all the things in high school. I got all the parts. I got all the scholarships. I did all the things. Um, and then I'm in my bathroom losing my first child, and I'm like, what, what happened? Where'd you, like, why would you let this happen? You know, like, what am I supposed to learn from this? And another question I really wrestled with is like, you know, we, we use, like to use the term, you know, for the glory of God. And I was an English major. So words are a big like thing to me. And that just sounds harsh to me sometimes. Um, Cause I thought, well, yeah, what, who cares if it's glorious for you? Like, this is my life. Wow. Um, that's and so real. Yeah. I, and I was just like, you know, like, this is real things that happen. Like, this is my child. This is my life. And it's all to pieces right now. So really, it's been, I challenge this. I, I hold this viewpoint for years. So I get to um, a place where I start counseling. I was already, or yeah, I was already pregnant with Banks, but just a few months, like before I knew about anything. And I was really wrestling like with these questions because I, now I had kids, two little boys looking at me for guidance, so to speak, um, in every facet of their life. And I'm supposed to be an example for them. And I don't even know that I trust God. I don't even know at this point if I want to trust him because of the thought that the things I love the most might be used for his glory in some kind of 
harmful way to me. Wow, Bethany. Mm. You I know? know that so many listeners have thought through this and have not had the courage or the means to vocalize it. Mm-hmm. So thank well, you. It's just, thank you. Oh, well, it's just, I mean, I, I feel, it makes you feel kind of bad saying it out loud because like that's a harsh, that's not the viewpoint you're taught like to have. Like you think that, you know, for all things to work together for good. And, and, you know, I think that that verse during that time was thrown at me so much. And like all of these verses that were well-intended were thrown at me in a period of my life when I was like, that doesn't really help. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, I went into the hospital pregnant and came out not pregnant. Like I'm a loss is a loss. Yeah, like there's no tombstone even for this. Like there's no anything. There's no ashes. There's no tombstone. There's no closure for this loss. But it's somehow going to work together for good. At the end of the day, my baby's still dead. You know, and so I think that that's really when I started wrestling with like, okay, why do I believe this? And why do I care? Wow. And even after the twins were born, um, it almost felt like a give and take relationship. So like, it felt like, okay, well, this bad thing happened. Now this good thing's going to happen. So what bad thing's going to happen next? Like, is something going to happen to one of my twins? Um, That's and like scary. I said, I'm an Indian, yeah, like I, I'm an Enneagram six, so I'm, I tend to be more paranoid. Um, but like you, I'm in this constant like thought process and outside of just like um, an anxiety disorder or depression or anything like that, I think dealing with it on a spiritual level, you think to yourself, okay, well, what part, I mean, should I repent of something? Like is something sinful is something and you start like picking apart your faith I think like picking apart um the fundamentals that you were taught whether good or bad um because I think that and I think that y'all talked about it before but some of like the toxic things that can toxic things that can be taught um in churches and in Mm -hmm. certain communities um and how we can some kind of sometimes sometimes twist the word to kind of fit our situation to get our way and it is a form of control and so I started just like picking apart at everything and I remember going to my counselor who's the most precious human and just looking at her and being like I believe in him but I don't believe in him like Mm -hmm. I don't believe he'll like come through for me I mean why would he so you know and this is coming from a girl who had a christian blog i went to she speaks with lisa turkers like i all of these things and i just was really wrestling like really really wrestling and then this was the prakrita happened and i could do nothing to control it this was literally something that I had no um, control over, and I didn't even know how to pray over. Wow. Because every time I went to the doctor, it got worse. Every bit of news that I got 
was hard to swallow and none of the outcomes looked good for me. Before I went into the hospital, I had tons of doctor's appointments and I remember I knew nobody else that had ever went through this. Now, granted, now I know that there are lots of other women who go through pregnancy complications and similar situations and um literally you were like a one in like one million well it's some there's some number that I'm one in I remember you posted Um, a blog one time and I was like of course Bethany Harrison yeah the genetic unicorn why not (laughs) um like why not me bring it on um but it was just like every time I went it got worse and I would just be left like feeling like I was looking at God like, and I wrote about it like, like when Peter walked on the water and his eyes are locked on Jesus. And can you, um, like, I remember thinking, because I got caught in a storm on the beach once. So it was just like a downpour, like a pop up thunderstorm. But I remember it raining so hard and it being so loud and it being so just like, I just knew I was going to die just right there under my umbrella. Um, like just, and I just knew the rain was making my legs bleed, but, um, just such, you know, it was just such a bad storm that just like popped up. And, um, I remember thinking as I was reading that passage, because I did what every good girl does when I get bad news, um, and went to the, went to my Bible, um, and tried to find something that I thought was going to make me feel better about this situation. I remember thinking when I was reading that, how that's kind of what I felt like was it was like a storm on the beach and I could see Jesus and I knew he was there, but I couldn't hear him. Mm. And I couldn't really even get a great look at him because it was so windy and it was raining so hard. And I thought about Peter looking down and I thought kind of how it's kind of our instinct to look down. I mean, if it's rainy and it's hard and it's storming and it's windy, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you don't look up at the raindrops, you just, you look down. And I think we focus so much on the fact that Peter looked down and didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. Um, but I think it's important to realize like there are moments in life when we, look down because the storm, I mean, the storm's just really bad. Um, And that's kind of what it felt like. And I just felt, I remember my counselor looking at me and telling me I didn't have to do anything. And I didn't have to be anything. And I didn't have to do anything um, for Jesus to love me and to take care of me through this. Wow. So I, it's funny, I took my, um, Bible and journal, devotional, all the things to the hospital. Um, And I was in St. Thomas Midtown. So it's religiously affiliated. Um, There's a crucifix in my room. Um, A chaplain came in and talked with me and she was incredible. Um, But I remember I didn't study anything and I didn't pray a whole lot and I was just very 
quiet. I watched a lot of movies. Um, maybe the most religious being Sister Act. And well, that's my favorite. <laughs> it's the best. That, that might have been the most religious that I got in my movie watching. Of course, the crucifix being by the TV helped because um, it kind of deterred you from it's like you're being watched. Um, oh, my gosh. It, you know, I just remember I didn't do anything. And then I lived. And I didn't know how bad things got. And until they, I remember Dr. Nick hugged me and she like got, she would sit like in my bed with me, which was wow. the sweetest gesture. And she held both of my hands and I had looked, my arms were just, I was swollen and my arms were like black. I looked like a junkie. Like my arms were, I can't even explain. I don't know that I have a picture of them, but they were just so black and blue from all of those needles. And um, I remember she grabbed my hand and she just said, I'm just so glad you're here. Oh my goodness. Mm. And I realized for this surgeon to look at me and say like, I'm just so glad you're here. And throughout the week for doctors and anesthesia team members from an ICU team members to come in and look at me. And I had no idea who they were and they were just so glad to see you and to see you um it kind of made me realize like how close I got and I think with that realization and working through like the trauma of that and walking through with the help of counselors and medication and my family and um prayer walking through that um I realized that I did nothing and God still took care of me oh that's grace and it wasn't something it wasn't because I was it was for his glory you know I think I thought that on the front end and I think I tried to justify that as a reason for living um but then and I remember telling my counselor this last week it just feels like God and I had a secret in that hospital. It's something about like this intimacy that was created in that moment when I could do nothing to save myself or save my child. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it was just for me. It wasn't so that I had this story to tell. It wasn't so that he had glory of some kind that he needed to to get off on something it was just for me so that I could be a mom to my boys because he loved you because he loved me and it felt like the intimacy I have like with John yeah like this connection like this like this deep spiritual connection like I have with my husband um who's my best friend who knows me inside and out it felt for the first time in my whole life it felt like that and all of a sudden it became very real to me that the God that I had learned was not the God who is yeah does that make sense yeah so um it's 
it's, I told Miss Peggy last week, because my counselor, I was like, I kind of feel like I'm still in spiritual shock, because I'm not back into a study right now, and I'm the big study person. I'm not, um, I also have a newborn baby who screams all the time and doesn't sleep. Um, so a lot of it's just, dear Jesus, help me at 2.30 in the morning. But um, I'm not back into like this place of like study or um, mass text messages or um, religiously aligned blog posts or speaking or writing or anything right now. I'm just kind of in spiritual shock because I feel like through all of this, like it is unearthed so much in my life and like brought back to the surface or brought to the surface who I am and who I want to be in life because it it's weird but it's almost like you have that uh I don't want to say like Jim McGraw live like you were dying thing but um it's almost like you have this like new perspective and so um it's been a really interesting shift that I'm still walking out and walking through and trying to um, discover, but it's almost like when you first, I compared to like when I first started dating John and it's exciting and it's new, but it's not exciting and new because it required. Yeah. Um, it's exciting and it's new and it's sweet and it's no pressure from me like I don't feel like I have to be anything or do anything or um I don't feel contradictory in my actions and my um self I show the world um anymore because I don't feel like I have to show someone besides who I am that he um love the hot mess express that I am uh, with all my flaws and um, all my kiddos and my Dr. Pepper obsession and it's just yes it's just this whole different perspective um, and I think honestly had I not I know I know had I not um, walked through this with the help of a counselor many counselors um I would like to attribute it all just straight to prayer. If I had not had others praying for me, I never would have got through. Um, and I say that slightly sarcastically because I think that, um, I think there's this ideology and I listened to an episode of 30 Minutes with the Perry um, that talked about it. There's like this ideology that if you have Jesus, you don't need counseling. Mm -hmm. um, and which is so just, not the case um sure. in fact i feel like my counselor leads me and has led me closer obviously to the lord than i've i've ever been but it just kind of gets me back on track and i know that without the help of counseling without the um without walking out the mental side of all of this um i never would have gotten through it and i probably wouldn't be able to talk about it um this soon afterwards and not that there's not moments for instance like i took um, banks in ultrasound the other day and like walking in the ultrasound room never thought anything about it but when I got in there 
I was like, oh man. Um, and I could feel my posture shift wow. um, because so many traumatic bits of news had been given to me in, in an ultrasound room. So like being in that setting um, and thanks to counseling and thanks to walking out through this experience with someone to help kind of guide me with my thoughts, um, I was able to recognize it and pull myself together a little bit and still get through. But I, it's completely shifted. Um, this whole experience has my, my relationship with the Lord, the way I take care of myself and my mental self. Um, and the way I view my faith in total, like has uprooted it completely. Girl. Okay. I've been, I've been taking notes, not to make you nervous, <laughs> I mean, but I, I've got to start with saying what I'm so thankful about your transparency about, I wrote this down and you did not write this down or you did not say this, but I think that it's, it's the perfect word for what you're saying, like misunderstanding God in our life yes. because, and, and I don't think it's our parents' fault. I don't think it's, it's, it's any, I don't think it's church's fault. I think that everything is presented with perfectly good intentions. Yes. However, absolutely. there's this air of, we don't ask questions. I think that we're a, because I said so, um, yes. generation. Yeah. And, and I think that they're like, that, that taught me a lot of respect for my elders, but also that kind of made me believe that all authorities were like, this is this way because I said so. And God is not a because I said so God. I don't think. I think that there are some things that it's like, hey, God, God's like, one day you're going to know all things, but here you don't know all things, but please just trust me that I know all things. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like that answer, but it's the answer that I've gotten with a lot of stuff and that's okay. But God is not afraid of our questions. He is not afraid of our doubts. And kind of going back to your wrestle through, because I'm seeing a similar wrestling, like with you going through your miscarriage, and I'm so sorry that happened. And mm -hmm. you going through all of this complication with your health and with Banks's health. And I'm I'm so sorry that that happened. And I'm so sorry that, that he came so early and he was in NICU for so long. Like, I know that you've like me knowing you, like even just grieving things like, Oh man, the baby shower was jank, like jacked up with yeah. scheduling. Like, and we've never had that conversation, but I know that those thoughts had to have yeah. traced your mind for sure. But what, what message do you have for the girl who has these wrestlings and has these doubts? because she's here and she's listening. And, and when you were saying that, Bethany, I've never heard anybody vocalize out loud. Like, so what, this is for God's glory. I remember, and I'll shut up in a second, I promise. I remember <laughs> as a little girl listening to that story about the blind man. And Jesus said, you, it's not your mom's fault. And it's not your dad's fault. No one sinned. Um, this is the Sarah ghetto version of this scripture. But it's to bring glory to God. And my bratty butt was like, crap, he was blind his whole freaking life. No one talks about those now doubts. That I've vocalized, yeah. yeah. Now that I've vocalized it more, the more people are like, well, yeah, I thought that too. And, and I think a lot of people 
do have those thoughts. But like you said, I don't, I don't think we ask those. We grow up our whole lives. And I don't even know that it's like a rebellion, but just a um, weariness of fake. I mean, our whole lives are fake. You're right. In, in a lot of aspects. In social media, there's filters. There's um, like everything that we consume. And I think we just get tired of it. Like we just want something authentic. And I think as maybe as we age and we, we start realizing that hard things happen, we're like, when hard things happen, I think that's when you discover you don't like a comment on Instagram is not going to sustain making you feel better. You're right. And I think that that's the problem. Like I think that so often we think we are, what's the word? Um, I don't want to say we're, it's not we're trained, but we're encouraged to believe that by presenting this, this persona, these certain personas, that we will gain approval. Yeah. And that in turn will make us feel good. And that in turn will make life better. And, and I think what we as the church have to do is present such an authentic hope. Um, and partially by advocating for and standing up for mental health um, resources, because that authentic hope comes not only with Jesus, but it comes with the hands and feet of Jesus as well. Um, and I think us just being that and um, providing that hope, because I, I think oftentimes I think had I not had the anchor that I had in my faith, even as I was wrestling, I don't know how I would have made it through like I have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like even with the questions, yeah. it's still your anchor. Yeah. That's amazing. I had so, but I had so many questions. Like I, I think deep down I always, I, I still had the anchor. I had so many questions though. And I think honestly it was my anchor because I clung to it because it was what I was taught. But I think he kind of uprooted that. But if I had to say like to the girl listening, like I would just keep wrestling because he's not going to stop loving you. And no matter how hard you fight him. And because I, I mean, I've spent what, 26 and a half years fighting him over it <laughs> I mean and John will even I, I remember we went through a time um when we were first married when John would even say would you just let me love you and mm -hmm. not like always think something bad was going to happen or question everything um I'm a queen five so I question everything <laughs> um but I just, I, like I said, I have so many thoughts. I have so many questions and I just couldn't take because I said so for an answer. 
That's right. On, on everything. So I just wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled. And, um, you know, there's a story in the Bible, wrestle in, in, until you bless me kind of thing. And, and I think that's kind of what I was doing um, in a way. But I would just keep wrestling and know that he's not, he's big enough to handle it. Even though you don't feel like he is because we make him a lot smaller than he is. Um, and we make him a lot more distant than he is. He's very, very personal. He has been for me anyway. I know that that's such a cliche thing to say because we say no. it. But I, I'm when you and you're laying there in COVID restrictions in a hospital and you're by yourself. Honestly, my thought was not him. But looking back, I see him all. I see him caring for me so preciously and intentionally and intimately little bitty details about my life that he cares about so well, I mean the Bible I, it, I would like, wrestle yeah like to talk about like God even knows the number of hairs on our head and I shed like a freaking dog so for him to keep up with that much detail on a hourly basis of how many how many strands of hair I pull out at any given time I'm like God you must really love me yeah. And, and I, I think that's, I think maybe sometimes, it's, like you said, it's just a misunderstanding, it, just a misunderstanding in communication. I think it's yeah. hard to communicate. Um, and I have to wonder if some people ever really know that intimacy with him. And he you know? wants to know. Like if nice. sometimes, Yes, I absolutely believe that he wants to know with each of us. I just think sometimes we get so in our head um, on how we think it's supposed to be, how it's supposed, what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to be, and um, what we've been taught that it should be, um, that it, sometimes we can get so hung up on that, that we miss the actual connection with him. I love that you that you brought up the just the imagery of wrestling with God, which sounds insane when you kind of say it out loud. But one of the things that I wrote, like Sarah, I'm also a note taker, and I wrote down that it's easier to wrestle a God of rules than it is to a God of love, because there's so much logic that comes with the God of rules. Yes, and when you're, Woo, you're, that gave me you're chills. you yeah, know. Same. It's just like when, when you're raised that this is who God is, you you always are to be respectful. And these are the things that you show, how you show it and all the things. And when someone does tell you that it's all for God's glory, the rules do leave you feeling forgotten and disregarded and not and that's That's a faith based on, for me, that's a faith based faith based on performance and mm -hmm. I cannot do that. Like I understand that faith without works is dead, that because I have faith, there should be fruit, fruits and spirit in my life. There should be works that come out of that faith, like being the hands and feet of Jesus. But when it comes down to like, I'm doing X, whatever your X is for God's approval. Like, no, like that's, and that's think, for me when it's so toxic. And I think like Liz said, I like rules. Yeah. That's what we've been raised in. Like, look at I school. I like rules. Yes. Society like, has I like rules. structure. Yes. yes. And mm -hmm. I, and I am for, I'm like, you know, we have rules for a reason. 
we 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 function this way to prevent x y and z from happening you know like rules are safe for me so it's easy to walk in a safe keep myself and to keep god in a safe box if i keep him in this box and he keeps me in this box we don't have issues because i know the rules of the game and i know how it's supposed to operate and when we get outside of that box when when nothing is going to rules it's like that leaves us feeling and life never does newsflash if it hasn't for you if it hasn't derailed for you yet sorry to the enneagram sixes it's probably going to derail at some point um in some facet and i think that we all are going to have a moment if we haven't already where you stand there thinking where your rules and your logic do not line up with what you're experiencing or what you're feeling um well and for me then like that's the lord i didn't mean to interrupt yeah. like no you're good i have him in a box he's not lord of my life he's not like i believe in him and all that but when i have him in that box like i'm i'm in charge <laughs> that's just me i don't know if that's yeah. the same for y'all yeah well, and I want to be in charge. Like, I'll just admit it. Like, I oh, would rather, yeah. like, I always feel like I'm like tapping him on the shoulder. Like, I just let me do it. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. Let me do it. I know what I'm doing. Just let me do it. And every time he's like, you don't know what I'm like, yes, I do. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I've got this. Um, and I remember a counselor that I had when I was a lot younger used to ask me over and over, Bethany, is Jesus on the front throne or is Bethany on the throne? girl um and i would always be like um jesus because that's the sunday school answer um but that was not really the case um but i think that that applies through our life and i think i think that was the biggest thing with mental health for me because let me tell you when you are experiencing an anxiety attack or um panic or depression and you can't control what your body's response is to a situation or your mind's racing thoughts if you can't you feel out of control you you really really don't like that feeling and so you really want to maintain control in every area of your life that you can um and when life circumstances happen that kind of leave you just standing there like where you truly have no control you kind of are at a crossroads if that so to speak of um and i don't mean that in a choose jesus or some weird like preacher drugs and rock i just mean it in a way of like yeah exactly like we're not what you know um i just can't even I just, that's another topic for another day um, but <laughs> I've lost the thought. But I'm just like, you know, like I feel like you, that leaves you standing there like, okay, so what do I believe? And without mom and daddy here telling me what I should, or even not mom and daddy, whoever the influence in, is in your life that led, led you towards the Lord, like without these people that you view as kind of your standards on whether it's your pastor or your parents or who have like, have like have set the standards of, okay, this is who God is. And this is what he expects. He yeah. set those parameters for you. 
like when they're not there and it's just you and him, then what? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that you, I think developing that intimacy, which I feel like it's just a straight gift. I'm not saying I did anything to develop it. I mean, I was laying totally naked inside and out on a table, bleeding to death. Um, when you somehow experience that intimacy, I think that it truly changes everything. And I don't mean that you only get there um, having a life-altering circumstance. I think actively just asking questions, like when I was starting going to counseling and just being like, I don't know that I believe this. Or not that I don't believe this, but I don't know that I believe in this. Like, I don't know that I trust this as my, like, go-to. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could say I trust in God, but I'm going to do this stuff. That's real. To make sure, mm-hmm. you know, like, to make sure. So, Bethany, can I ask you this question of, with all the questions, with all the doubts, even with looking at, you know, the concept of, oh my goodness, I'm suffering. Will this bring God glory? Does that matter to me? (laughs) Do I trust that? Do I believe in that? After going through and literally walking through, laying through (laughs) all of that, who is God to you now? What have you learned that we have not learned yet because of your experience? So interesting that you asked that because in a Dear Evan Hansen type assignment, I was asked to write about that for therapy this week. Um, and I haven't read about it yet. So it's interesting you asked. Um, I would say he is a treasured friend. Wow. And it almost makes me teary to say that. Because I feel like no one else who's in that um, operating room or that ICU room with me so intimately and um that saw everything you know that saw me the very first night I was at the hospital crying myself to sleep or saw me on my birthday not being able to have cake because I had gestational diabetes worst day ever next year for my birthday I'm eating a whole lemon pound cake by myself um but see and knowing that those little things mattered him and I tell you another thing so when the pandemic started and I think this is really what sealed the deal for me or actually not even pandemic started we lived for a little bit in Louisville um for John's job and when I was living there long story short I had kind of like just left music I grew up studying music I got a vocal music scholarship to UTK I was in the finals for a big vocal music scholarship to UTK Staying in front of people from Juilliard, the whole thing. Um, and it got such a like exhausting performance based thing that I just walked away from it. And I would have to say that was probably my first love in life. And I was good at it. And I just couldn't do it anymore. And when I got up to Louisville, um, we got involved in the church up there, but it was the first time I'd really been alone, alone, without my parents, without anybody, um, just me and John in Louisville and the Lord really started unearthing a love for that again just a little by little like something I would watch on TV or something I would read um 
and he really started unearthing a love for that. And I thought, um, before when we moved back here, um, I was going to get involved with a local theater company and I was like, I'm going to audition. And they're having auditions for the sound of music. And I found out right before auditions that I was pregnant. Girl, I remember and that. I was devastated. Not devastated that I was pregnant, just devastated that the timing was what it was because I thought, yeah. crap, not only am I pregnant, but I'm going to be like out of commission. You can't have a pregnant Maria. I mean, for <laughs> the love. Like, <laughs> talk about progressive. Um, like, just cannot, just, we can't do this. Like, we can't do this. And I just was so disappointed. And I thought, and, and I guess that's probably when I started asking questions because I was like, does God really care about the details of my life? And um, I get through all of this. I get out um, and I auditioned for a local production of Greece and I got a call back for Sandy. Of course you This did. is like three months postpartum from all of this. And I remember thinking to myself, I was so disappointed because I got in that audition and I was miserable. Let me tell you, I've never been so intimidated in my life. I just wanted to cry and hide the whole time. But I was there. And I remember leaving um, and thinking to myself and still having the love for it, you know, and having them tell me, like being just able to sing after being on the ventilator and being able to like just be in the room. And um, I remember thinking, not only does he care about me, but he cares about what I care about mm. for me. What a love. And I think that, yeah, I think that at that point, I thought to myself, like, he knows me inside and out, and he cares about what I care about and I don't have to go and be an attorney or a minister in ministry at some level to please him like I can sing show tunes to my kids and he <laughs> delights in that oh. and I think that is what was so precious to me and because I felt like he was on my side that's um, and gave me that little wink, that little opportunity of, hey, this is not the season, but you still got it. Um, and I'm proud of you. And I was like, how generous. They didn't give me a, you know, I just thought, you know, and, and I didn't feel like I got a pity. I mean, there were a lot of auditions. I didn't feel like I got a pity callback. I felt like I worked hard. And he was like, we're not doing this from, from my glory, Bethany. Because I think I presented that argument to him, like, how cool would it be, Lord, if I got Sandy <laughs> after being in the hospital for so long, <laughs> you know, and I think he looked at me and was like, we're not doing this for me. Um, we're doing this for you because you love it. And this is not the season. You've got a lot going on, but we're not giving up on this. I'm not if you're not. And that's what just made me feel so seen. For the first time, maybe in a really, really long time. That is, so and it was just such a sweet thing. So I think to me now, he's just a treasured friend who oh. I am 
excited to walk through life with and emotional to think about. Um, and I'm excited to get to know him in a new way. Kind Absolutely. of like going through all of this again. Hard not going back to my old ways in certain situations. You know, it's hard not to revert back to those timeless truths we've been taught. Um, but it, <laughs> it's just, you know, um, it's sweet. It's just really sweet. Wow. Ugh. And you can say that because you lived it. Like, yeah. Like you, you lived through the doubts. You lived through almost dying. <laughs> you lived through. And I wouldn't trade it. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that was the realization too, is realizing like that is precious to me. That experience is precious to me. What made you question God at one point now is precious to you. Mm. It's precious to me. I wouldn't pick it. No. <laughs> wouldn't I do it again, probably. <laughs> no. I wouldn't pick it. But that whole experience and the people, um, every time, I, I'm friends with all of my doctors on social media, um, and every time I think of them, I cry. And every time I think of my nurses, I cry. And I, these people that he surrounded me with, the whole experience, the whole experience, minus the diabetes, because that was terrible. Um, all of it, I treasure. I absolutely just, that is probably the biggest honor of my life, that I got to walk through that with him. Wow. wow. And I don't mean that in a way that, and I don't feel like I have to lead a charge about it. I feel like that can just be our thing. That's the sweetest part. I don't feel like I have anything to prove with it. I don't feel like I have to tell anybody if I don't want to. I tell because when I tell about it, it reminds me again of who he is. Oh, thank you. It's so not much. for other people. It's for me. That is, that, that shows me, that is proof that God is kind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that, if, if anyone's wondering if God is good, that is proof to me. Amen. Because a lot of that, Bethany, was really horrible and crappy and scary yeah. and, and even. And unfair. And unfair. You I mean, unfair. Yeah. And, and that's not to say, and, and this is a whole nother conversation for another day. That's not to say we're saying God caused it, but we know God allowed no, I, we know he, yeah, we know he and I think it. even the, the allowing, we still, I think sometimes we doubt his motives when we know he allows things, yes. because we're like, why would you allow that? Like, I wouldn't allow someone to come in here and hurt my kid. Why would you allow that to happen? Like, knowingly allow that to happen. Yeah. And so I think motives, sometimes we question, but I think when we know his heart is good, like, and like, just because he knows and allows, I think allows is even kind of a small term for I what, for his presence, so over for his sovereignty. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. for his sovereignty. Um, I think allows makes it seem like mean, you know, like he, yes. you allow that to happen on your watch. You're right. Um, You're right. Like, you know, we, it's just the words we use and, and maybe I pick more 
attention to that because I was an English major and I'm word, word, words, but I think just the words we use are really important. Um, but in his sovereignty, when something passes under, through his vision, under him, um, I don't think that that means he's, he isn't deeply connected and concerned and caring. And I would argue to anybody, I'm going to get teary talking about, I would argue to anybody when I could do nothing for myself, and I don't mean that in some kind of like, I can do all things through Christ. Like literally I couldn't sit up in bed, like, and breathe by myself. He was so sweet. And I wasn't meditating on scripture in those moments. Like, I, I feel like I need to be really real when I say that. And like, it's not because I was meditating on scripture or I was praying or I was in playing worship music. To be honest with you, I really am not a fan of most worship music. I think <laughs> it's real cheesy. Um, I mean, like, I just, I, from a music person's perspective, and maybe a lot of people just want to say that, and we don't, but I, it really grates my nerves. Um, and so oh I'm, I wasn't like that kind of person. I'm just not. I'm just not. And so I think, like, just from that perspective, I when I say I was doing nothing, I was watching Miss Congeniality praying that someone would bring me a Diet Dr. Pepper because they wouldn't let me have the fully leaded Dr. Pepper because oh. I was on my diabetes diet. Um, like I was doing, I was doing nothing y'all like nothing. There's no amount of anything I was doing. It's just because he was like, yes, he just cared. And, um, that's so hard to believe when things are tough or when we're going through things that just, we don't feel like anybody sees or understand. And, and, I know because I felt like nobody saw or understood. Nobody had it. I knew nobody. Nobody can text me and say, hey, I know what you're going through. Hey, I've been there. Nobody. Yeah. You know, and all my friends are talking about their birth plans and they're, they're going to smell essential oils and release a dove or something. I don't really know anybody that's actually released a dove, but I'm sure one of my crunchy friends have probably done something similar. Um, that like all of these things and I'm sitting there like, I don't even get to meet my baby's not even going to be in the same hospital, you know, like forget a birth plan. We're just trying to live. Like we're just trying to make it through birth. Um, so it's, it's just been such an eye opening thing. And I know it's hard on other people listening that are thinking, you know, yeah, she's went through that, but what does this have to do with me? Um, and I know it's hard walking through any situation. Like, none of us truly understand what the other person's walking through. Um, but I do know he cares. From a very skeptical, very unsure, very doubtful, not very good Christian. I know he cares. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. That's the message right there. That is so good. I know he cares. 
Honey, I'm gonna take that to the bank and cash it. That's good. <laughs> yes. Okay. So before we go, Bethany, I know that we're about out of time. Um, just a real quick answer to a very practical question that can get very complicated these days is how can our people who are like glued to this podcast right now who feel the same way who have either walked through something or are afraid of walking through something how can they take care of themselves um i think i'm a huge proponent of counseling i think without the help of a counselor i saw a counselor the same counselor throughout the first um chapter and talked to her did zoom calls with her in the hospital um of this situation and i also i still see today i'm going to see tomorrow and i will do my writing assignment um but uh i say i'm an outward processor um i did a temperament test with my counselor which was super eye-opening to me i highly recommend it to literally everybody um it's more than a personality test it's your actual temperament like how god has knit you together things wow. that you um like the very temp- temperament of yourself and found out so much from from taking a test and just working with a counselor on how i process things and why i process things the way i do um and experiences that shaped me growing up and why i react to things as an adult and as a parent that i do and as a wife um so i'm a huge proponent of counseling i think that we all need somebody to talk to counselors are objective um so they don't bring in any kind of um drama to the mix it's not like you're going to your mom and you're talking about your sister or something you know what i mean like it's very um they don't know any of your people so they're very good to give you outside perspective and healthy perspective and help you walk through things in a healthy way. Um, I would say like, if you're really struggling with anything mental health, obviously speak up and ask for help. I take medicine every day to help my physical body line up with my mind. Um, so that I don't like have physical symptoms of anxiety or panic. Um, especially considering everything that, that I've gone through, but I, I'm a huge proponent of that. I, I think it's so easy to say self-care, um, but I'm a mom and I don't have time to have spa days for myself every Sunday night for two hours. Um, sometimes life is just life. And I mean, if y'all can see me right now, it's a hot mess. Um, and so I, I think focusing on those kind of things isn't something you can take to the bank. I think that um, by just being very intentional with, um, yeah, like I said, for me with counseling, with having somebody that is objective, that's accountable, that's going to to make sure you're navigating life in a healthy way. I mean, I think we do that with our physical body. And I think it's so important to do that with um, our mental health so that we can be emotionally and spiritually well um, yes. and I think that goes into like, you know, you can live life, but I think part of the abundant life, um, is being intentional towards making it the abundant life, um, mm-hmm. by taking care of all, all facets of your life. Um, and for me, 
how that looks, what that looks like for me is through counseling. So I'm a big proponent of it. I swear by it. I go all the time. Um, I don't really tell anybody. I mean, sometimes I write about kind of a topic that we've talked about in counseling, but I don't really, I don't really share that. That's something for me. And that it's, it's just a good conversation with someone who kind of helps me navigate who's been through life. Um, a lot of life stages and just kind of helps me navigate going forward, you know, yeah. and how to go forward in the most healthy way. So, mm-hmm. Amen, girl. I would say that. I would say that's a, that's a big one. If you want me to get the funniest answer, I would say <laughs> I would have other things I could say, but that's the real life Bethany <laughs> answer. It's just a, Follow I mean, I could Instagram. say, idol. Get, a, yeah. get a good study. Um, oh, I thought you, you know. were going to say things like watching White Christmas in the month of May, um, Jenny's ice cream. That or, helps too. Yeah. But, I mean, I have a whole list. I can, I can send you a list of yeah. my favorite um, movie musicals. And I really, I really do feel like it helps. Um, That'll be in the And the my favorite songs to belt in the car. Yeah. My favorite songs to belt in the car. I, I have a lot of resources in that regard. I could, yes. I would say swipe up, but you know, um, I don't <laughs> have that capability. Hashtag influencer. Yes. But I don't have that capability, but um, I have lots of, of real life advice. You know, I don't know how to protect you from the cicadas. That's the only place I'll right. act. Right, right, right. Just, um, that is, I'm going to have to say conquer with prayer. Well, I've officially decided to name this episode cicadas walmart mental health and doubting god yes i think that that's what we've covered here <laughs> god be with us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bethany, i cannot tell you how thankful i am for your transparency and your heart and i, I am so humbled that you have shared your story here yes i'm just so inspired no, I know thank you for having me yeah and y'all get ready to see more Bethany content because y'all we three plus another awesome friend have t-pack tickets we're season ticket holders not to be bragging or nothing but you know, I'm a stunt for y'all um yeah so it, it's going down for real in the 2021-2022 t-pack season absolutely do you think <laughs> they would give us a sponsorship Yes, like I don't know. Any of Dallas has reverse sponsors. It's people who we are promoting with zero monetary value. So yeah, it's a reverse sponsor. So it's a hashtag ad. Yes. Um, (laughs) We don't get paid for this, but hashtag ad. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, hashtag influencer. Love all all of that. But Bethany, thank you so much. Does anybody have anything else? That's a loaded question. Anybody? Anytime, girl. I'm Anytime. Girl, well, y'all, this is a super sweet way to pa- to wrap up season four. And we will be so excited to see you guys in the fall for season five. But stay tuned because we've got some great things coming up for Chosen Girl Summer. Forget about Hot Girl Summer. It's going to be Chosen Girl Summer. Amen. Uh- <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes, it. super excited for that. But Bethany, thank you. We love you, girl. We love yeah. you so much. Absolutely. And, we uh, love y'all. Thank oh my you. gosh. I'm just so humbled and so 
just over the, I'm on cloud 10 about this conversation. So, oh, and make sure guys y'all subscribe to surviving till Sunday, her blog. They can still subscribe. Correct. Yeah. You can still subscribe. I don't post post a lot these days, but you can still subscribe if you want to. Y'all it's golden nuggets that every time there's some some pictures of my cute kids on there. Oh, they're so cute. Looking good. Take it. Which is rare. Every time I get an email notification, I stop what I'm doing and I read it. It's oh, all you're precious. quality. I, it's usually like at 11 o'clock at night because <laughs> team no sleep. I'm up all night if you ever have. I should have late night with Tiffany because that is all I do. You'd be Stay like that night. radio show Delilah. Do y'all remember that? Delilah. I would eat that <laughs> Absolutely. I would die for Delilah. Give me some. Well, hello, Mr. Delilah. Bethany. Yes. We can play and I can talk. Yes, that would be be perfect. It'll be like Sleepless in Seattle, but with me. Yes, I would subscribe to that. I would subscribe to that. Absolutely. Would you call in? Yes. Yes. I would have to act like I'm not okay. me because then everybody's going to know about my problems. <laughs> They'll be like, that's Sarah Collins. <laughs> I know that redneck voice. I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> they be calling in like the, like, like an obit line. Yes. What are they saying today? Y'all. Well, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. We will see you with season five. Liz, you got anything else, girl? Honey, it's been real fun and we can't wait. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bethany. We love you guys. We love you, Bethany. Thanks. And we'll see you guys next season. Bye. That's it for today, fam. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to rate and subscribe. And don't forget to visit us on Instagram at Chosen Girls Movement or on our website to see our merch and free resources. And meet us back here next Tuesday.